It's time to go into auto reverse. Tony and Matt. When we look at bands that are underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week, we're going auto reverse on. Well, with the freaks of the industry. Digital underground. The freaks of the industry. And when you see us backstage, be prepared to change. Well, let, let's, let's, start, let's start rolling because you know what? Why are we talking about it's Digital Underground? Because, you know, the, the premise of Auto Reverse is, you know, is it a band that's underappreciated, misunderstood, unknown? And quite honestly, there's a little bit of that in all of Digital Underground. When I was thinking about Digital Underground for, for Auto Reverse, I was like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. They're, right. they're, you know, they had their hit, they had a subsequent albums. It, I could just, I threw, I threw together the playlist. One hit and wonder. I, and I was like, oh, and I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was like, I can make, I love, I love, I thought they were great, but I could do this in a, in a heartbeat. And then when the reality of uh, the fact that we were going to record, was starting to creep up on me i was like wait a minute i need this there's more to this than what i had first envisioned um and and it's it's not and it's about the depth of their music it was about what it meant uh, to me and during that during that time when it came out what hip-hop meant to me where i wound up in terms of working in the record business so i actually postponed recording this with you because i i just needed more time because it was it was uh it was more it was deeper than i had envisioned it so that's kind of like you know that's that's what it meant to me digital underground we could get into the specifics as we talk here yeah i mean to me it's like i was in junior in college and i look back on them fondly but it's a very shallow like look back at them kind of the same thing you were saying it's like Oh yeah, sex packet, and then you know, which is you know one of the, probably the greatest one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time, and, and many for many different reasons. But you know, I just kind of looked at them like, oh yeah, they kind of had a very they, they were kind of lightning in the bottle band. They got a great one great album. They really maybe had a little bit of influence, but you know, the same thing. You you gave us you gave that little bit of time. And frankly, I looked at the playlist when we early the earlier version. I'm just like, this doesn't seem right, because. And then we just both kind of looked into it a little bit more because I knew they had some other songs. But then it's like getting into like Future Rhythm, um, which is a, a really really good album. But it was an album that was like three. It was like wait about six years after Sex Sex Packets, um, and like three years after Body Hat Syndrome. Which wasn't a bad album, but it wasn't like at the level of Sex Packet. Um, but it's just such a really interesting and fun album. And, you know, maybe it'd probably be good. It's like, what are the things that you like about it, Digital Underground, like either then or through your rediscovery of them? I like, you know, like I said earlier, I, I think it's just the depth of their, mu- of their music and their catalog. Like, I, I like, I love Sons of the P. I actually love that album yeah. as much as I love Sex Packets, but it, but it but it took me years to realize that how good of an album Sons of the P was because when Sex Packets came out, I was like you. I was in I was in college. I was a senior, and that that 
uh, um, the Humpty Dance came out um, my senior year in the spring summer of 1990, and we have there was a, a booze cruise at NYU, my school, um, put together, and the DJ played the hump the Humpty Dance. People went fucking bananas, and then it was so, it, the reaction was so strong that he played it a second time, and that's not something you no, you no. really like like. DJs usually play something once and it's done, you know, one one and done, right? So I knew how powerful that song was, and then I and I love the re- the record, um, but then it and so and I love the re- I love Sex Packet so much, I love the Humpty Dance so much that in some ways it energized me that I found a job at a record label uh, three months after I graduated. That so three oh, months wow, after yeah. the, after hearing that. And I started working at a place called Big Beat Records. That was really a house music label that was sort of transitioning into being more hip hop. And so, in some ways, that record, Sex Packets, and the Humpty Dance, like energized me to 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 want to work in the music business. And I did. So, while I was at Big Beat, I became friends with a guy named Albie Sh- Albie, who um, worked at Tommy Boy Records. He was like a promo guy. I met him through another friend. And he started sending me. I was on his mailing list, so I was getting two promo copies of every 12 inch, two commercial copies of every 12 inch, the album. And I remember after uh, Sex Packets came out, I think that EP came out mm-hmm. that had all, all around the world, right? Or I mean, not all all around the world. Same song was right. the name of that song. Same song, and it was in that fucking stupid Dan Aykroyd movie, right? And and it was it was kind of a hit also. Uh, but I, I, it, it started to diminish in my eyes their their whole thing, and then son, and then subsequently Sons of the P came out like right af- after, and I and he was sending me all this stuff, and and I was already like kind of poo pooing it um, as not as good as Sex Packets, uh, but not really giving it a chance, and I and I was doing this the thing that we discussed uh, when we were, were sort of getting our notes together for this for this episode, I was doing that thing where. I was part of the mind, the the the, my, the sort of mind. like, yeah. you know, the the group mind think that, oh, sec- these second records are shitty, right? These follow ups are shitty. That they're never as good as the first. Right. And and I and I think you know I was 22, 23 years old. I was impatient. I would and I thought I knew everything, and I thought I knew when the next thing was going to happen, and so I I, I dismissed. Uh, do you you know like after you know those, these those subsequent records and and I shouldn't have and I and I and I want to apologize directly to digital underground for for doing that um but yeah they, so going back and reassessing this like we're like we do often in these episodes it's really good uh, it's a good exercise but it also helped me realize just how good digital underground were on so many levels right 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 uh, on the on the humor, on the inventiveness, on the music, on the funk. Let's talk about the funk. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you know that. And look, Sex Packets is I wouldn't say a perfect album, but it's not far away from it. So trying to replicate or trying to come out of something else different from that is a tall order. I mean, when you use a Hendrix riff for the whole song, and it's badass. Actually, that's probably one of my favorite Hendrix albums, Band of Gypsies. So, you know, mm. from who knows, like that, the variety of inventiveness on that album, and what's just for samples, and they did do a heavy P funk. I think like the way we swing or do what you like has like three different P funk 
uh, samples and like they use different parts of flashlight in like three or four of the songs on Sex Packets. And they continue to. And I think what really separates... George Clinton wound up co-writing a song on the next album on uh, Kiss Me, uh, uh, Sons Kiss of me, the P. Yeah. yeah, Kiss Me Back, right? Kiss Me Back, yeah. He gets a songwriting credit on that. There's a really good article about uh, Shock G's obsession with with Parliament in uh, Wax Poetics. I sent it to you uh, the other day, and and it's it's incre- it's incredible. Like the songs that he he sort of highlights as being the, the major influence on it's it. I I mean, as someone who's also uh, obsessed with Parliament Funkadelic, I I could really relate, right? Yeah, and he does he does he takes this common path of most funk Parliament Funkadelic fans. They were initially into Parliament. And then someone turned them on to Funkadelic and they were like, oh, this band's cool too. He's like, yeah, this is George Clinton too. And they're like, no, it isn't. This is Funkadelic. Yeah, fun- Parliament, Funkadelic, you know, people, that history. That's how I learned about the history. I like Parliament Parliament a lot. And then someone said, oh, then you'll like Funkadelic. I'm like, who's this? This sounds like George Clinton. He's like, well, it is. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing about it is like he, Shock G has a really interesting history and a really his influence on the band, I think, uh, is really what makes them truly out. I think he's the, the inventive or creative force behind it because here's a guy who he started off in a band that was kind of a militant band and then he I think they were called the Black Panthers or something they heard they heard a public enemy and then he's like well those guys got that they've got that nailed down yeah they got that sewed up <laughs> and instead of doing something like an offshoot of that they're like he went to total like more goofy whimsical fat you know you know more mm. comedy ended also you know the whole aspect of him using different voices as you know MCs. you know he's got shock g he's got humpty they completely sound uh different uh and the dude's like a really well-trained, well, uh, fairly accomplished piano player who, who yeah. if you listen to all their albums, there's always some piano riff in there that's just, that really pays homage to P-Funk. Um, and I think it's one of the things, like, they started to explore in their later albums is kind of get away from that a little bit more and try to be a little bit more experimental. But there was always that sense of, you know, when I like Parliament and Funkadelic, is there's that joy uh, and they're kind of... Uh, you know, there's that energy, you know, uh, that funk music, especially people know how to do it well, that it's kind of, you know, hard to escape. And DU, man, they they were the first band, I think, through many bands to really capture the 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 power and the the, the uh, energy of funkadelic in a studio recording. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they were also like sort of early originators of like sort of the G-Funk, you know, like like what what Dre and and Snoop and all them like, you know, later on would do like they were like sort of the originators of that. And um, and it was cool the way they they were positioned because, um, you know, I was listening to like the year before I was listening to De La Soul, Three Free High and Rising. I was listening to Tribe Called Quest, you know, like more and jungle like the first jungle brothers record right um straight out the jungle so it, like there was all this like sort of colorful mm-hmm. uh like hip-hop coming out and like they they took that energy and that spirit of these records that came out right before theirs right before sex packets and sort of it it 
they, they were like, this is all great. And we we celebrate all this stuff, but we're going to we're going to take it up a notch in terms of we're going to make it even more fun and even more colorful right. and more and more like performance oriented, because that's something that I feel like rap and hip hop lacked a lot when I was in that, you know, because I was I was really into uh hip-hop at that time in 88 89 90 91 you know the sort of proverbial golden golden age of hip-hop yeah um uh, what a lot of the groups lacked was performance so you would go see um you know you would go see epmd or you right. go see Stetsonic, and a, a lot of a lot of times the the perform like the records were amazing their their inventiveness of what they were putting together was incredible right. but like the performances weren't there and i feel like the digital like made that you know they put that right up front like this is a this is a performance besides being dope music you know what i mean and 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 it was and it was and they used a little bit of theater like you know with the alter egos yeah. you know yeah, yeah. and 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 then also referencing themselves in the songs <laughs> and then also sam and this is the most gangster shit ever sampling yourself right, right when you right. sample your own music you are a fucking straight up gangster and and i love it like, like i don't know why that makes me so happy but it does yeah i i think that you know a lot of hip-hop is from that time uh they're, they're kind of like i wouldn't say it in your face but they're they're more talking at you in a lot of ways and digital underground seemed like they wanted you in the circle and they were gonna it's like come on we're gonna take you for a ride and it's more of an entertainment bend to it um that you know obviously translated really well uh live because a lot of bands a lot of hip-hop and rap acts i saw live you know the same thing they were just like sound quality was terrible the energy was terrible they didn't seem like they really wanted to be up there in, in some ways, you know, they were just... Going. There wasn't much to it. It yeah. was just two, you know, usually two rappers and a DJ. And it's, it's you know, it's hard to... It's hard to create a, a show when it's like that flat, you know, like where it's just two guys on a mic and a, and a DJ. And, um, yeah, so... But but they were... They were... They were... They were Digital Underground made that a point. Like, they weren't going to be limited by that.
But why do you think that, that these guys weren't bigger? I mean, is it, you touched on the, the reason that probably you and I fell off of, you know, the underground, which was, you know, we listened to Sex Packets, loved it, and the next albums came out, they were, you know, they were okay, and like, kiss, you know, Kiss Me Back, and they had a couple interesting songs, and they would catch your ear, and you go, yeah, but it's kind of one of those things where, you know, again, what you and I were talking about, like, I fell victim or just, you know, tw you know, 20 years, when you're 20 years old, you have that kind of snobbery and your famous go-to line is, oh yeah, their earlier shit was better. I don't, the stuff now I can't, I can't handle, you know, and, and it was, it's dismissive as shit. And it's something that you don't do is, you know, that I, I, it's allowing us now to go kind of go back and revisit these things with kind of a uh, clear eyes. Um, but you know why were I mean they were a fairly successful band. I mean any band, any band, most most definitely like a hip hop band that can go practically twenty years and make was it six albums. Um, you know that's yeah that's, something that's like that. That's pretty good. So like what are you what are you thinking that you know why were why aren't when we talk about the you know the golden age of hip hop for example why aren't they mentioned in the conversation that often. I don't know. Maybe it was their jokiness. Maybe it was their sort of costumey image. Maybe you know. Maybe it was just this, this sort of like not underappreciating uh, Shock G. Uh, Shock G's genius. You know, with all his sort of concept, like conceptually, what he was doing with the group, and you know, also underappreciating the the amount of times they collaborated. I think they had over like twenty five collaborators it's, uh, throughout throughout the years, and then uh, and and they were like. And they were um, uh, cooperative, not unlike like Native Tongues right. or uh, Africa Bambada's uh, Zulu Nation or NWA or or the Wu Tang Clan. They they, you know they 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 were a they were a group of a lot of a lot of like core members, but then a lot of collaborators. And I think I uh, you know maybe that diminished it somewhat because they were so collaborative. But it worked in other in other for other artists it worked. The same goes for what you mentioned before, this sort of like second album curse, which uh, has affected many artists, not just hip hop artists. But 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 I think it has specifically affected hip hop artists over the years. Not all hip hop artists, but right. lots like like Diggable Planet's second album, which I think is much better than the first uh, blowout comb. That right. didn't really do well. Same goes for uh, Jungle Brothers second album. Um, done by the forces of nature that didn't do really well so i i just think it's it's partially their image their their kookiness their the second album curse all those things like yeah. worked against them and shock g despite you know not despite but uh, along with being very talented is just a really guy's got a sharp edge to him and i think he's also like as a just from interviews that i've read with him and he's kind of above all the bullshit parts of things so like even when there was like in the heyday of that east west bullshit like they were one of those. They were I'm the band that I remember that said, oh, "This is stupid," and they collaborated. Yeah, they had a they, they had a they had a song. Yeah, they had a song. Uh, I think the it's same what, gang. Yeah, yeah it's they, they, yeah they have. A, I think on who's got the gravy? They got um, big pun. They did a couple songs with big pun. Karis one, and then they did this really good like East West kind of rival song with Bismarck Key. Uh, the, uh, the odd couple and they they both talk about shit about the east shit about the west and it's done in a fun way 
where they're bringing out the best of the both, but and they're taking each other on, but it's very tongue in cheek, and it's kind of showing like that's kind of how you battle. You have, you battle with your mind, you battle with your lyrics, you battle with your beats. You know, you don't bet. You know, the other way. You know, you don't have to stick up. There's other ways of being a tough guy, and plus the tough guys, people don't last long. And as they're, you know, one of their, I wouldn't say he was a main collaborator, but one of their collaborators, like Tupac. You know, he, they basically took that kid from the crib and built him in and gave him the avenue to build himself into, um, you know, give him the confidence and the time on stage time and the, you know, booth time to really hone his craft. I mean, he was naturally gifted mm -hmm. and such from what everything that read about that time. But man, like he was not, he was just about the music. And there's this really great story of him. Um, Shock G, you're talking about. Yeah, was, there, yeah. There's this yeah. really good story with. Um, so it was not too long before um, uh, Tupac was killed, and he and um, uh, Shock G, Money B, and um, um, Tupac were at a uh, LL Cool J song, and they were at backstage and everything, and. Shock G just kind of snuck out and went to this little corner up on the to see the, to listen to LL do his thing, and Tupac showed up, Money B showed up, and they just kind of sat there like three guys against the wall, like singing along, you know, rapping along with LL Cool J and just and tapping into the music and getting away from all the BS of the backstage shit and just inter you know enjoying the moment of what got him into the music in the first place and that kind of. To me, that kind of summarizes who he is. He's like, this guy is someone who just is so into the music. It's like everything else that has nothing to lift it up, he's just not going to be a part of. And I think that, that that's something that served their music really well, but it probably didn't serve their success uh, very well. Yeah, I mean, who knows? There were so many factors, but uh, what's what you can't deny is just how good Digital Underground were and and that, and I'm so glad that we reassessed their whole thing here because it's it's amazing that I blew off like Sons of the P and all these records right. that came came out right after Sex Packets. I was like, I was already moving on. I was like listening <laughs> to Black Moon. I was listening to right, but um, we like had other you stuff. Know, we had rock Lords going of the on the ground. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of rocks. There was a lot of nascent like sort of grunge stuff going on indie stuff going on and it's just like you know it, we were all over the place and all the stoner stuff that was starting to bubble up uh, even like at that time uh stoner rock stuff so i you know my my attention span was all over the place and and but now now as we're, we've gotten older and why well maybe wiser um no. it, we're, we're, we're able to sort of like be patient and like really dig deep into some of these artists that are you know should should be iconic even if they're not they should be and it's okay for us to say just that you know, whether yeah two people you know, care or 200 people care right and there's um you know i think that that's what's great thing about this playlist i think this is our biggest playlist because there's so much stuff that, <laughs> i mean which is Massive. saying something because most of them are like three hours long and this one is like <laughs> is i think almost five hours long and it's like we were looking at it, it's like uh, no, we, why are we putting up a five-hour playlist? But it's like when you revisit the stuff, and I, you know, the the sex packet stuff, and some of the songs will really you'll take, you know, you'll really enjoy. Like my wife really likes Digital Underground, but like a lot of stuff she didn't hear, so she was like digging that I was playing 
you know, some other stuff that she's like, is this digital underground? I'm like, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, this is really good. Why haven't I heard this song? I'm like, oh, this is on, you know, the, the one of their later, latter albums. Um, you know, this is a band that requires a little bit. I mean, it, the historic aspect of them, you know, I, I, I can't deny that it gave me a lot more respect for them once I kind of understood like what their time and when they what, what they were doing when they were going up in the ranks. Like they had, there was a story like they had an opportunity to go on MC Hammer's tour, which who was just blown mm -hmm. up, but you know, cause they're both from Oakland. So they knew, they knew mm -hmm. each other. So they were gonna go do it. And then at the last minute, Public Enemy offered them to go on their tour with I think Queen Latifah mm -hmm. and I forget who else. And they, you know, Shock G is just like, dude, I, you know, I'm going to do the PE. I'm like, I'm not turned down PE. Mm -hmm. And it was like substantially less money. And like, I guess yeah. at, at like the BAM Awards, which is like the Bay Area Awards uh, the next mm -hmm. year, MC Hammer came over to Shock G like furious. He's like, he's like, you never turned down the money. You dumb motherfucker. You should never turn down the money. But for Shock G, it was just like, I, how am I not going to turn? I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I wouldn't go on tour with Public Enemy, who was one of his heroes. He's like, and that's, you know. No, and MC Hammer is fucking whack. Well, and always will be, and oh, and 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 I, you know, yeah, yeah, I understand the money thing with bands and stuff. Take the money, whatever. But I think, I think it benefits you more in the long run if you if you're tasteful right. and if you stand, if you you know, if you if you stand by what you by what you preach and what you say, you know, and uh, fuck, fuck but the way, Well, here's the, 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 the takeaway for me was like, this tells me like, that wasn't even really a hard decision for shock G. So that no. tells me that that kind of pervaded, pervaded all his decision makings musically and otherwise, like for his music, it's like, mm -hmm. Hey man, we'll do another Humpty dance. He probably went, Oh, that shit's already been done. Let me do, I want to, yeah. this, this new stuff is a little bit more interesting. I want to do this new stuff. Cause it's a little bit more interesting to, uh, mm -hmm. direction which is something that you know we talk about it all the time it's like fulfilling yourself as an artist rather than fulfilling their bank account and i'm sure right. i'm sure he's doing okay because the guys are smart you guys are really talented guys probably he's made a lot of connections he's probably still running mm -hmm. so, you know in the music business in some way and probably has enough money that, that he can live off because that you know not a lot of his songs are still being played so i just think that though it's you know, there's a saying, it's like, doing the right thing is always harder. And I think that, you know, a harder decision. And I think that... Amen. And I think that he did that. And I think it's going it, it to... It benefited us. It's maybe for them. They'll get this delay effect of appreciation that maybe will, you know, carve their face. Because I have friends like, what bands would you put on Mount Everest of hip-hop? And Digital Underground doesn't come on there, but they should. Because they took something... They took a form and elevated it, uh, elevated it in a manner that was both entertaining, fun, thoughtful, and also just just great music in terms of funk music, just like fun to listen to. Um, and I think that's how you get a five-hour playlist. It's like you you say, "Wow, this is a great song." Oh, I like listening to this. Someone else may listen to this. And they and they were memorable during a very creative time in hip hop. So that that in itself is uh, is quite an accomplishment to be memorable and to cross over in a time that was incredibly creative and progressive for hip hop. So and, and you know and they didn't give two shits about the East Coast West Coast thing. Yeah, they were yeah. they were just good and and that you know in the end that's all that matters. Are you good? You know. 
Yeah. That's it. And that's why we're talking about it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, everyone out there, if you have a band that we should explore talking to that needs the auto-reverse treatment, feel free to give us uh, an email at autoreversepod, that's autoreversepod at gmail.com. Uh, go onto our site, anchor, uh, anchor.fm backslash autoreverse for all the episodes. And then look for us on Spotify for all those playlists. And uh, yeah, you're you're not you're gonna see a lot of fun playlists coming up there. We're gonna keep doing episodes, keep doing playlists, and keep having discussions. So, you know, give us your comments and feedback. We'd love to hear from you and uh, keep listening. Until the next time. Until the next time. Later, later. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>